And we're back. It's been a long layoff uh, for me. Rusty Ryan, I'm joined by Ifo Bumaye. Hi, guys. Uh, I was uh, basically studying for a test for the last, like, six months. Um, Nerd. Yeah, so that's done now. Uh, and now, you know, I'm back to, back to my day job. Back to my day job of podcasting and writing whenever I feel like it. Um, filling up that quack fix. Yeah. With oh, the full links that no one out, ever on. Yeah, shout out to Achilles Heel for doing the uh, quack fix every day and all the bacon for filling in for him this week. Um, there's been so much going on in basketball right now because our our, our favorite ducks making making some making some waves in the NBA summer league. Our thirst for sports has been quenched by the NBA Summer League. All hail the NBA. Uh, yeah, we are currently watching uh, former Ducks recording this on, what is this, Saturday night? Yeah, um, Saturday at 8.45 Pacific Standard Time. Yeah, so Jordan Bell and Dylan Ennis are both playing for the Golden State Warriors, and while we probably would prefer that they play on somewhere else... Uh, they're they're doing pretty well. Jordan Bell is out here swatting people like normal. Uh, Dylan Ennis hit a couple threes, so uh, they look pretty good. Um, and on top of that, what Tyler Dorsey I think signed a two year rookie contract. Bell signed his contract. Ennis got some good playing time in Orlando with OKC, and now he's playing with the Warriors for in Vegas. So uh, it, it's good to see Ducks back in the NBA. Yeah, so, um, yes, Dorsey signed with the Atlanta Hawks after being drafted 41st overall. Um, Didn't really play that much in his, or only scored two points against the Nets, 75-72. Jordan Bell, just my favorite team, my favorite player on the team last year. Really upset, Blazers had three draft picks and instead drafted another Myers-Leonard. And then I did like the Purdue Center a lot, but three picks and no Jordan Bell. This is absolute travesty, absolute tragedy. Well, to be fair, Swanigan did have a double double in his first summer league debut as a Blazer. No, and I really Blazer like him in, in summer league. But yeah, um, I really like Swanigan. So I I would very much like for Jordan Bell to not play on the Warriors, but. You know, at the same time, uh, it's hard to be mad when a kid gets a shot in the NBA. So, hoping he does uh, does really well, but also hoping he gets somehow teleported to Portland. Uh huh. That would be nice. So, refresh me on what uh, Dylan Ennis is up to. Yeah. So Ennis um, went under undrafted. Uh, and it's really nice that the NBA has – it basically has like two summer leagues. So there's one summer league that's in Orlando, um, and there's one summer league that's in Vegas. Um, Orlando is really not – it's just a couple games. It's not really like a tournament. Um, Vegas, they actually do have a full tournament with seating and stuff. Um, so it's a little bit more – I wouldn't say pressure pack because it's summer league. Um, but it's it's a little bit more competitive. Um, yeah, 
so what Ennis did is he signed to play both on Oklahoma City and Golden State. So he played for Oklahoma City and Orlando. Um, he did okay. I mean, I, I'm not looking at his stats right now. I, nothing like super memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he now he's playing for Golden State in Vegas. Um, really, this is just a try and make yourself good um, for other teams because with Golden State's cap situation with them just paying Steph Curry $201 million over five years um, and their their backcourt is really crowded, they're really not going to pick up Dylan Ennis. Um, but with that being said, if he puts some good minutes in, uh, you know, maybe he gets picked up by another team. Uh, at a minimum, maybe he's able to go to the former D League. Now they're calling it the G League. I don't know. Whatever. It's a Gatorade minor- sponsorship. Whatever. Yeah, the minor league system for for the uh, for the NBA. So we'll see. I mean, it's it's just another opportunity to do something cool. So hopefully he takes advantage of it. You know, the 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 one thing that he has going against him though is compared to other college graduates, he's so old uh, because he took what six years in college uh, and he went so you know it it might be a little tough road for him in terms of upside and his comparative age to other rookies Um, but you know what you're going to get with Dylan Ennis I mean we we all remember he was kind of the steadying force for the Ducks over the course of the last two seasons even when he wasn't actually playing when he was just redshirting because he was injured um, so you're going to get a smart player. He's not going to make mistakes. He'll lock down defensively, and occasionally he'll be a pretty good driving kick guy. So um, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe a a team takes a chance on him. Um, he's also in a kind of a tough spot because right now the point guard situation in the NBA is pretty full. Um, yeah, free agents are getting paid, um, but there aren't really that many teams that are looking for point guards right now. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, hopefully he he has some good minutes and and then is able to make something happen. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, director's cup. Oregon just had their third consecutive highest finish ever, coming in number nine. That's pretty good. You know, it's okay to do your all-time best three years in a row. Um, The other thing to consider, too, is Oregon only has, what, 18 varsity sports? Right. And Director's Cup allows you to, to count and get points for 20. So compared to schools like Stanford, which has, you know, 800. Um, we're definitely at a disadvantage in the Director's Cup, but it, it just speaks to the really broad-based excellence in in the department. I mean, you had women's track pulling off the triple with indoor, outdoor, and cross-country. Um, softball made a deep run in the College World Series. Um, football didn't do so hot. But men's basketball made a Final Four, so that's good. 
I was uh, positive. Yeah, so you know, I mean, it's uh, it, it's really good, and uh, it makes me feel good that um, Mullins uh, basically signed a contract extension, which we found out about recently, but actually happened in October. Um, so, you know, it's it, I think we're in a good spot as a department overall. My question to you is: Does it matter the timing? of the contract extension. Does the timing matter at all to you? Or is it suspicious at all? Um, not really. I mean, it's... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not inside, so it's, it's hard to know what the factors were in terms of, like, hey, let's get this done. Um, and with You know, f- football gets all the news, um, so them having a down year, like, makes it seem like things are going off the rails, but if you look at the Director's Cup, if you look at other things that the department is doing, um, we're in a really good spot in terms of broad-based overall Oregon athletics as a whole, um, so I... I have no problem with it. What are your uh, thoughts? I don't really know. Mm. Which is a, which is always a great answer. I Boy, saw some people were making some... What a hot take. Yeah, I, I know. At first I was like, I don't know, that is weird timing. It's like, he gets a contract extension a few weeks before he fires Helfrich. It's kind of like a nice way of uh, playing Civilizations 4 and hitting save right before everything goes down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... I, I think, uh, and it's hard to know what what all happened, but it's easy to see that, you know, possibly it could have turned out where whoever, the powers that be, the university president or the board of governors or whoever, basically used it to say, listen, um, we know things aren't going well with football right now. We know you're in a tough spot, but this is like our vote of confidence, and it's more than a, just saying it's a vote of confidence. It's actual tangible, hey, we think you're doing a great job type situation. Uh-huh. Um, the other thing that I really that makes me not have a problem with it is it's compared to our peers in the Pac-12, uh, the terms of the contract are not exorbitant at all. Um, I mean, the base salary is middle of the road when it comes to the Pac-12, and if we keep putting up um, you know, director's cup finish after director's cup finish after director's cup finish, then that's a good return on investment, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And the Oregon Athletic Department is one of the few in the country that operates at a surplus? Uh, yeah. It's. Uh, last time I checked, I believe, I th- at least among public institutions, because it's harder for. You know, like Stanford and stuff, they don't release their numbers. Um, Stanford's but not think, doing it. I'm sure Stanford's not doing it. Yeah, well, they have so many Olympic sports. Although, if they had an endowment, it would be possible. But um, like an at athletic least, fund endowment. Yeah, um, no, but that's it, possible. If they had among at least among public institutions, 
I think last time I checked, there were anywhere between like seven and nine total schools in the country that operate on a balanced budget as an athletics department, and Oregon is one of them. So, um, isn't Michigan like tens of millions down already right now? I wouldn't know. Not off the top of my head. The other ones that I know off the top of my head were, uh, at least recently, were Florida, North Carolina. Um, I think UCLA, but I'm not entirely sure about that. So, hard, hard to say. Um, but, regardless of the specifics, um, yes, the athletics department, financially speaking, uh, is doing really well, and that's part of why Rob Mullins was brought in. Is his background is in finance, so if you have broad-based excellence in terms of results on the field, and you're also still operating uh, on a balanced budget and not taking taxpayer money and not taking all the things that people gripe about athletics departments for, uh, then I think you're you're pretty much a model for an athletics department. Yeah. Um, oh, just look it up. Michigan's athletic department is $240 million in debt. I mean... it's a lot. Sure. But think about it this way. America, the country, is trillions of dollars in debt. So who really cares? <laughs> you know... You're absolutely right. I mean, it's all fake money anyway. The building needs to be three times this size. <laughs> so, uh, what else is going on in, in the land of Oregon athletics? Um, we got former basketball players. Yeah, I go ahead. I briefly talk about recruiting. Okay. Which is weird. Because I hate talking about recruiting. I don't believe you. It's really only been a change of pace these last couple months because that's all we have to hold on to. And like most things in sports, we're good at it now, so I care more. I mean, we're really all Fairweather fans anyway when we come down to it. What's, um, maybe you know this and have it pulled up. Um, what's our composite ranking right now for... Um, we're slipping we're slipping um let me pull up the actual team rankings right now we are down to number six that is bullshit is what it is six slipping we have is that really unbelievable it's number one is Miami where great players make up an average team uh Two is Ohio State. Three is Tennessee, champions at life. Four Tennessee. Is Penn, four is Penn State, and five is LSU. I am continue to be wowed by our recruiting. Um, it's it's really impressive. Um, you know, it's the I think the buzz has died down a little bit just because uh, of that one what was it, like a week and a half surrounding the spring game where we got, you know, three, four stars right off the bat, back to back to back. Yeah. Um, but 
this staff is just doing a really good job. Now, you know, who knows? We'll see if that translates on the field. Um, and with recruiting, it's always kind of a A, a numbers game, and B, a waiting game. Um, but things look good. I mean, it's just like the like an NBA draft. You know, the more ping pong balls you have, the better chance you have of turning out something good. And right now, we have a lot of ping pong balls. And we're a long ways from next February. We're a long ways from next February. Exactly. Um, so, you know, um, hopefully this season goes well, in, at least relatively speaking. I mean, I don't know how it could go worse than last year. Well, we had four uh, wins last year. Don't this is like when me. we finished the number 120 in defense. And I was like, it can't get much worse. And then we finished like 125th or something. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to drinking now. Here's something funny. Kansas is currently number 33 in recruiting. They have two four-star commitments. You know what that that says to me? Not, not to bring up a, a, a famous name of the past. Kansas has their own Willie Lyles. That's Willie what it says to me. Lyles. So, hey, man. Everybody's got a bag, man. So the thing is, well, A, I'm looking at this. There's a lot of athletes and, like, wide receivers, which makes me nervous because that's not the problem right now. We need guys in the front seven. And right now we have Adrian Jackson, who's a four-star just beast from Colorado. 6'2", entering his senior year in high school. Yes, he's he's very large. Yeah. And then there's the YDE, Jonathan King, who will play either outside linebacker or have to get way bigger to play defensive end. Because right now he weighs 240. He'd have to, he'd have to play outside linebacker. Yeah, that'd be a... Possi- well, I mean, possibly even an inside linebacker. We saw that with... Uh, Troy Dye moving inside. Um, oh yeah, you're right. He's that's really big at 240 still for an inside linebacker. Yeah, you know it's it, it'll be interesting to see how that works. Oh, Elgin Cook getting some run for the uh, for the Warriors right now. Boy, we got ducks all over the floor. Sorry, um, Cook it'll be finished a Jordan Bell layup. Go Ducks! I remember seeing that Ducks. a couple of years ago. Yeah, this is great. Um, what was what was I saying? Oh, it'll be interesting to see how this Troy Dye moving the inside linebacker experiment works because it's something that could, you know, let's say it just goes like pretty well. Um, I don't know the reason for it. You know, it, I I don't know if it's to take um, the coaching staff at at their word where they think Die can put on a whole lot of muscle and, you know, he could be the leader of the defense from the inside. Um, or if it's really just about lack of depth at the inside linebacker spot and wanting to to put more playmaking there. Um, we're we're going to get it there. Like just, it, it, it seems like at least depth-wise, right now, outside linebacker has more depth. Um, I mean, we have 
Fotu, we have Justin Hollins, we have Lamar Winston Jr. Um, so it'll, I think it'll be interesting in like the next two years to see if we start having more inside linebacker depth if they think about moving Troy Dye back outside. Um, but who knows? I don't know. That's just kind of a tangent that I thought of. Yeah. Um, one of the other players that's projected to go to outside linebackers, MJ Cunningham. Then there's also like a 6-4, 320-pound defensive tackle. And then there's a four-star commit, Spencer Webb at tight end, if depending on which recruiter ranking you're looking at. Basically, right now, everything's panning out really well. And I'm only bringing this up now because it's exciting. It's the first time we've ever done so well at recruiting. Uh, and it's... I, I don't know how many times I've watched the spring game right now, but there's, like, not much else I can draw from it. So, we have recruiting. That's basically where I'm at right now. Well, and the nice thing, too, is... Um... Uh, I don't know if you saw that uh, there was a who was it? It was Chili Ducks depth chart that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the incoming players on defense, uh, it was pretty striking how many of them are for this upcoming season. So this last recruiting class are um, moving up the depth chart, if not starters. So. You know, it, yet to be seen if Jordan Scott actually starts at nose tackle or whether that um, honor goes to the uh, the grad transfer from Clemson. But on the back end of the defense, Thomas Graham Jr. Uh, had a lot of reps in the spring game. He looks to be basically second on the depth chart. Um, and then Lenore coming in, who we haven't seen, but who everybody thinks is going to be phenomenal. Um, I mean, he's projected to be pretty high up there as well. Um, so it, it's not just that we happen to be piling up all these stars. It's also that they happen to be at least early on in their very early returns of their career. They appear to be paying off. At least some of them. Yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> unfortunately, Braxton Burnmeister. You know, four star, absolutely, just really fast, really quick. Still a true freshman, and unfortunately, he's the backup quarterback right now. So yeah, I don't know he, how that's going to work. We might have to move Taylor Alley back. Oh, he's going to get moved back. There's not a doubt in my mind; he's going to get moved back. And the good news is, though, is that Taggart loves quarterbacks who can run. Taylor Alley can run. He's, uh, did he just hit that? No. Okay, sorry. Jordan Bell just put one from deep at the end of the third quarter. I looked away for a second. Um, Don't worry, dear reader. You have all of our attention. <laughs> dear listener. Yeah, Braxton Burnmeister as, as the backup is problem, problematic to me. Um, within, like... Darian McNeil, McNeil is projected... Oh, by the way, I don't know why this is a like a New Mexico State website based off of the, the URL, but, you know, here we are. Um, I'm just looking at these, these incoming guys. So there's 
just a lot of new guys on here. Um, like Jordan Scott, our favorite. I think he's my favorite athlete on the team right now in terms of personality. He pulled, I don't know if you saw, he pulled off another um, diving, diving board backflip, and it's just as graceful. I think he, it's more so this time. He's our beautiful, big swan. And I couldn't be happier. Mm-hmm. So, here's the problem. And I'll, I'll put a link to this. It was, it was in a quack fix, but I'll put a link to it in the, in the article. Biggest problem. We have five guys total projected to play inside linebacker. One is Troy Dye. He's good. The other projected starter is A.J. Hodgkins, um, who is a senior uh, little guy. Portland played at Tiger High School. And then below him is, uh, according to 24-7, had no stars coming out of high school. Um, Actually, he was a walk-on. And then the other guy... uh, Kalana Apelu. He did really well during spring ball, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah I was impressed with uh, Apelu last year, actually, as well. Um, and, and both during spring ball. I thought he did well. Um, I'm kind of surprised to see him listed third here, and it, I don't necessarily take these uh, just at face value. Um, but I think Apelu could be... I mean, everybody's going to get reps if you only have five guys at inside linebacker. So yeah. uh, I think he'll be all right. Um, despite the fact that Blake Rugraff uh, was a walk-on, um, he made a lot of plays uh, during during the spring game. So who knows? You know, maybe he turns into another one of those classic Oregon players, lightly recruited, under-recruited, walk-on type guys who, who turn into a fan favorite and, you know, maybe they're not the best player in the world, but, you know, can can actually make some plays for us. Serviceable, so, like average. Exactly. You know, we'll Doesn't see. Doesn't suck. Um, <laughs> that would be ideal. <laughs> but, you know, it's... Um, I guess an, e- an easy segue is to ask, like, what's – and may, I think we've gone over this in, in this pod in the past, but what what's your view of a successful season for this upcoming football season? Six wins and or beating Washington. Six wins or just beating Washington. One and 11 is fine with me as long as that one is Washington. Boy, that would be – that would be quite a roller coaster ride, losing to Southern Utah to start and then beating. <laughs> um, counts. It but, really counts. In terms of wins, um, I'm hoping for like seven. Honestly, um, I, I think that I think it's possible to have eight, but who knows. Um, but at the same time, the wins, to be honest, right now, for this year, are really not the most important thing to me. 
the most important thing is just um, a looking to see growth from the start of the season to the end of the season um, and looking to see consistent hard-nosed effort because that's that's something that we didn't always see um, you know the the one biggest play that comes to mind last year was I forget who it was but one of our safeties not chasing the ball carrier in the Washington game Rich when it Daniels. was yeah um, you know that I, that type of stuff is is not something that you see on championship programs so if we can see our coaching staff having these kids buy in having them give full effort and communicate well and grow um, cuz there you know there there are going to be mistakes uh, especially when there's so much young talent on the field uh, that's just part of the growing process you you're not going to possibly get all of the reps that you need in spring brawl and fall camp so there's going to be growing pains but um, that that's really what would be a successful season to me personally yeah and my big reason for hitting six games is just making sure that they can get bowl game practices that would be great because that's a I think you can have like 15 practices uh for some reason the number 19 is sticking out to me but it's somewhere around there 15 19 ish that's whatever like, it is that's basically like um, a whole other preseason. Basically an entirely new preseason. Um, now I'm reading now, according to some New Jersey NJ.com article, that uh, there actually is no limit. I don't believe that. Because you're still... You're still governed by limits on hours per week, so. Well, I guess I that's what they're saying is max four hours per day and twenty hours per week, so you could technically have ten practices if each are two hours. Weird. All right. Well, it doesn't matter now. There's other things to talk about. Um, and I think I think with Troy Dye being at the inside linebacker position, I mean only at two hundred and twenty five pounds, like I'm sure he's gonna get bigger this offseason since that's pretty much the entire focus of this coaching staff, especially on the line. Um is that the inside linebacker position has drastically changed in the last like ten years. Like there was a guy who was drafted by the Cardinals whose name I can't remember right now he played he was drafted as a safety and then played inside linebacker at like 215, 220 pounds and just crushed it Pat Tillman no, that was not his name well just taking a shot in the dark yeah um, so obviously he may be the exception to the rule uh, but being like 235 240 is no longer a requirement, really. Obviously, you can't have like a team of exceptions, um, but Troy's definitely a baller, and I'm after watching him play. Obviously, it was like his freshman season, but um, based on 
just kind of how he did in some of the like the zone coverage responsibilities and everything. I don't think uh, against like some of the area teams, I don't think he's necessarily comfortable right now playing out in space that far. And I think he's best as like a pass rusher and a tackler. Yeah, I mean that's uh, his strength was being disruptive. Um, so that's part of what I think will make this season so interesting is there are so many unknowns right now in terms of um, like what what is our defensive scheme going to be? Um, you know, ideally we know that Levitt wants to be an aggressive defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that last year when he was at CU. Um, they were they were really aggressive, but part of that is also because they were able to be really aggressive because a they were senior laden, uh, and b they have they had NFL caliber athletes. Yeah, I think they had what three of their secondary get drafted in the NFL draft this past year. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in the past when he was at USF and uh, his first couple years at at CU. Their defense was not aggressive. They were a bend but don't but don't break defense. Mm-hmm. So, um, part of me thinks that's good. You know, it shows that he's flexible and willing to work with the personnel that he has. But I just think it'll be interesting to see um, what they actually end up doing on uh, for this year with with the young personnel that we do have. Mm-hmm. At Colorado, they ran a lot of press coverage against wide receivers and a lot of man. And I do think our secondary is capable of handling that. I really don't think that our defensive backs are a problem. Having Tyree Robinson at safety does worry me because he's not that fast. Um, And I think he's better as a situational player. But... I think with the strategies used, they were not in a position to even do well last year. Like, you can have the best players, but if they're executing poorly designed game plans, then they're not going to play well. I would agree. And I, I think that the times that we've seen... For let's just say, for example, the times that we've seen Arian Springs play his best ball, um, especially early in his career, and part of this may be because he was just a young player, um, but I think the, the times when we've seen him play his best ball is when the coaching staff seemingly just said, okay, you have this guy, lock him up. You know, and that's all you. That's all you're uh, you're concentrating on. So, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset to see us go to a man to man on the outside, like cover two with zone inside linebacker look. Um, I, I think that could be successful, but who knows? And one of my favorite things too about this defense is the. The wild duck outside linebacker. Oh, I'm so excited to see Layatu and Lamar Winston. I'm I can't wait. Just the the number of times that they were out around the ball in the spring game makes me so excited. 
Yeah, especially a photo layout. So I was just his uh, high school film was one of the craziest things I've seen. Just like just absolutely everywhere. Um, and I think too, I'm also a little sick of seeing like how we're moving to a three three five. And it's like just because a guy is small doesn't mean he's automatically a defensive back. He's definitely a hybrid player, but Fotu played linebacker in high school. Like he may be an undersized linebacker, but he's a linebacker. So I, you know, I kind of see him like just like you were talking about with with Die having his strengths be, uh, you know, rushing the passer, causing havoc. I, I kind of see Leatu stepping into that role this year. Um, if Die is going to be more of a uh, inside linebacker, control the defense, space eater, whatever type guy, um, you still need to have those guys that their job is just go out there and create havoc. And I think at least from early returns and looking at the spring game, that's what that duck linebacker spot is all about. And I think those two, principally Leatu, but also Winston, had a really strong spring game, in my opinion. Um, I, I think we're in a really good spot in terms of being able to to be more explosive on defense than we were in the past. Yeah. At the same time, it's not hard to be more explosive. You were almost not explosive at all. That's a defense. Yeah, and I think I'm just really excited. And I think the wild duck position is such a specialized role that it perfectly fits Foto's skill set. Like I don't think he's necessarily fit well with like your typical outside linebacker role, but him yeah. at this wild duck position is is kind of a perfect match. I'm just excited about football getting back. I'm not trying to wish the summer away. Um, you know, for the time being, it's fun to watch some NBA Summer League and just kind of hang out. But I am really excited about this football season, mostly because, um, in a weird way, it's kind of freeing to not go into a season with expectations about win totals. You know, it's it's... We're so used to, and we're spoiled this way, but we're so used to saying, you know, Rose Bowl or bust, national championship or bust, da-da-da-da-da. Um, but if, to be able to go into a season just saying, you know, let's just enjoy it and let's see these kids grow, um, that's, that's kind of fun. Yeah, and I don't think there's, like, the Nebraska game is going to be exciting. Like... Are we going to be able to win this one? Because Oregon did not play well against Nebraska last year. Just flat out did not play well. And they lost by one. How, how much did we lose by? Uh, I blocked it out of my memory. Hold on one sec. Couldn't find it. Sixteen. We lost by three. Lost by three, and that's with like five fifty-two. With like the failed two-point 
two uh, failed extra points. Just some, giving up some really bad explosive plays. Um, and the injuries to Royce and Tyrell Crosby. Exactly. And just with the experience coming back, that's going to be huge. Um, and that's kind of like... That's, in my mind, like one of the games that you could probably steal. You know what I mean? To be honest, I don't I don't think that's a steal. I think that's... In my opinion, I go into that game expecting to win it. Uh, this could be this could come back to bite me but to be quite honest I'm uh, I'm actually a little bit more worried about the Wyoming game than the Nebraska game because um, yeah let's say we do win the Nebraska game and then we have to travel to Wyoming at altitude against a quarterback who's projected to be a first round NFL pick um, Oregon's a four point favorite by the way that has hangover game written all over it so, um, I don't know. I mean, we're not doing a, a preseason, like, season uh, projection pod right now. But uh, that's that's one of the games that I'm looking forward to, but also very nervous about. Yeah. Which is weird, because I remember, what, three seasons ago when Wyoming came to Austin and we expected to go out and get a good tan and see Marcus do Marcus things. And he did. And he really did. It's a point. Alright, so we'll go into this in a greater detail. Actually, we'll just mention it now and we'll do a full breakdown later. Oregon's over-under for this football season is 8. What is your initial reaction? According to Vegas? Yes. Oh, let me pull up the schedule real quick. You know what? Screw it. I'm not looking at the schedule. It's it's hosting Southern Utah, hosting Nebraska, at Wyoming, at Arizona State, hosting Cal, hosting Washington State, at Stanford, at UCLA, hosting Utah, at Washington. Hosting Arizona, hosting Oregon State. I want to say we'll be. How can the over under be eight? Shouldn't it be like seven and a half? I don't know. Well, I'm saying a push. I'm saying we go eight and four. Okay. Your thoughts? I would take the under. Knowing that an eight means you just get your money back. Well, yeah, but I'm and not betting. Okay, well, I'm saying hypothetically. <laughs> um, I'm saying under. Uh, I'm trying to be positive here. Because uh, we're playing at Stanford, at Washington. UCLA is probably going to be better. Basically, you're looking at... like. But that's the thing with UCLA. They're always going to be better, according to preseason polls, and they never are. It is really frustrating. It really is frustrating. It's like Texas. Texas is back, y'all. <laughs> Texas is back, only to let us down. Um, and I think the big thing too is that, like, go if it was, 
if Helfrich was still coach, we'd be going into this knowing he was on the hot seat, and it would kind of be just like this dread. This is kind of going back to like your no expectations, and it's like, all right, Tiger's killing recruiting. We got all these shiny new assistant coaches, uh, and we, you know what? Just, just gonna see how this goes. Who knows? Maybe we'll get new uniforms every game again. <laughs> Maybe there, I know. I know. Taggart said that he wants to keep the all the uniform combinations, but that they're all gonna be like more traditional in colors. So we're not gonna see like the ta- the the rad uniforms. We're not gonna see like the villain uniforms or the the mascot uniforms and stuff like that. Yeah. Although at the same time, I I, th- I think it was uh, the equipment manager said traditional colors, and at this point, we have like eleven traditional colors, including Volt and Anthracite and all of these other colors. So I'm not reading too much into that. Um, you know, I don't expect us to come out with more Lewis and Clark uniforms, um, but I'm just excited about this season, man. I I, I feel good about it. I'm fired up. <laughs> Who knows? It could be the middle of October, and I could hate our season, and you know, be getting wrapped up in wins and losses. But for the time being, everything is right with the world. Yeah, it's just it's just really exciting. Um, and then probably in the next few weeks, we'll talk about. Uh, we'll actually go through the season. Um, maybe do some more position specific breakdowns who knows we got like 40 we got 56 days left till kickoff so 56 days from now is kickoff 56 days for oregon football 49 days for college football it's getting here folks and there are actually some games that first weekend yes there are it's not like your standard like who what was the the first like montana played in like the week like before week one or whatever and I watched that game that was a great game um but it was still like FCS so week one uh Portland State is playing BYU at noon which is weird I don't know how BYU found out about Portland State but keep cashing them checks Portland State Stanford is playing at Rice which is weird uh South Florida is at San Jose State at 4.30, which is another weird one. I don't know why you'd be traveling to San Jose State for South Florida. Yeah, why not? My Hawaii Rainbows. Playing at UMass. Time to be determined. How mean would it be if UMass put that at noon? Oh, man. How much of a dick move would that be if they put that game at noon? (laughs) It's body clock-wise, it's a 5 a.m. start. 6 a.m. Yeah, whatever. That's, oh man, that would be miserable. And then Oregon State at Colorado State at 11.30 a.m. Yes, Kick, indeed. Kicking off the season. With featuring former Oregon Duck, Thomas Tyner. Oh yeah, man, I'm so bummed that Thomas Tyner's going to be a beaver. I'm glad he like, wanted to play football again, because I think more than anything else, the injury retirement was, I'm... I've got these injuries, but I'm kind of over football. 
Yeah, you know, it's hard to read into it. Um, but you're right. You know, if he's feeling better physically and he wants to play and because he took a medical retirement, he couldn't come back to Oregon. Um, you know, I'm glad he's getting the opportunity to, to play. Yeah, uh, it just sucks it's at Oregon State. Because he really I, turned it on to the next level his last year. Like, he started the national championship game. Yeah, he played really well. I, just... I may have to edit that out. Not safe for work, y'all. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that out. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to edit it out. <laughs> All right. That's a good place to end it. Okay. All right. No, well, it's no cuts. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for making it this far. Uh, I'm glad we're going to be able to do this more often. Uh, we'll keep it a little bit more safe for work next time at the very end. Um, and I'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks at the latest. Uh, hopefully, we're going to have some other people on the podcast, keep these a little bit more frequent uh, through the football season. Have a great week, guys.